Hey folks, Duncan Kinney here to say that the Progress Report is a proud member of the Harbinger Media Network. A podcast on the network that I want to highlight is the return of Bread and Poppies with host Hillary Agro. And Hillary is a fantastic and incredible activist and academic and content creator on drug policy issues. She's been on the pod before. She is incredible. I'm, I'm legit very excited to listen to her new stuff. And uh, But yes, yeah, so look out for it. But another thing I have to address off the top here is that this podcast was originally going to have another interview in it. I was scheduled to interview Kara Zweibel of the Canadian Civil, Civil Liberties Association. But uh, as you may have seen, if you follow me on social media, um, my dog, Bruce, was stolen. He literally was, like, taken. <laughs> and uh, I obviously had to cancel that interview. Uh, Bruce is okay. He is back with me. But it was not a very fun afternoon. Uh, thankfully, he... Uh, did end up uh, being taken into animal control and we were reunited and it was a joyous time. And if you want to follow all that stuff, it is on social media. A lot of people have followed it. He is a celebrity now, but uh, I do also want to talk about the podcast that we do have. And it is a very interesting chat with Councilor Michael Jans from Edmonton city council. Uh, we obviously talk about the complaint that was filed against him by the president of the cop union that was then dismissed by the integrity commissioner. But we also talk about a number of other important policing issues here in Edmonton. Now, on to the show. Friends and enemies, welcome to the Progress Report. I am your host, Duncan Kinney, recording today here in Amiskwachewaskaigan, otherwise known as Edmonton, Alberta, here in Treaty 6 territory on the banks of the Kasiskasawanasipi, or the North Saskatchewan River. Joining us today is Michael Jans, a city councillor for Ward Papasteu, to talk about the recent decision by the Edmonton Integrity Commissioner to dismiss 24 complaints that were lodged against him by Edmonton Police Association President Staff Sergeant Michael Elliott. Michael, welcome to the pod. How are you doing? It's a huge relief, Duncan, to be honest. It's been a, a rough couple of months, and I'm just really glad that this is all out in the open now and Edmontonians can see the kind of, uh, well, the kind of stress that politicians are put under. Yeah, like you're this complaint is lodged and but you can't talk about it, right? But you're like told that a complaint has been lodged against you and the integrity commissioner is, you know, like looking into it. Is is that about the extent of like what you knew? Yeah, kind of like it looms it looms over you uh and it makes you second guess like, well, can I ask this question or can I say this? You know, I may be under investigation. I may be under double investigation, you know, and it it's sort of um it's it it by design puts a chill on you. And uh, so I think this isn't like a, a normal integrity commissioner complaint where, say, like a, a politician um, uh, did did some had some wrongdoing in, in terms of uh, uh, I'm trying to think of another example. But like Mike Nickel was found guilty of, uh, um, you know, breaching the code of conduct, putting out nasty tweets about his colleague, Andrew Knack. Um, uh, or uh, there was there was some allegation, some other allegations you 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 could go back and look, but. This was different. This was uh, this was a a, a body a, a the 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 union for all of the police officers in Edmonton, um, on you know the president on behalf of the union filed a code of conduct complaint against me, and uh, I became aware of it. It's important to note not through the integrity commissioner, but through a media inquiry by Global News. So right from the jump, it had been it appears it had been given to media. I don't know by who. But I certainly wasn't aware of it. And uh, 
the fact that um, the media was, uh, uh, that was concerning. And then later on, I got notified that the, the Michael Elliott had put the complaint in a newsletter to all of the police across Edmonton too, for their union. So um, there were these charges and these accusations floating out there against me. And, uh, um, you, you know, it, it feels weird. Like uh, they're coming for your job in the first 90 days because you asked a couple questions they don't like. Yeah. And I think it, it, this is an important story. If you are a citizen of Edmonton or really just anyone who cares about police and police accountability, like this is incredibly disturbing. Uh, there is something I just have to mention off the top though. And it's, I can't do this podcast without at least, you know, talking about it. And that is the fact that recently this uh, city, like Edmonton police service officers shot two people dead. Uh, one of them was a person who was just in their own home, minding their own business, totally uninvolved in in the situation. And we still do not know the names of the victims. We do not names of we do not know the names of the officers involved. This basic foundational information has been withheld from the community, and we still have not been able to process this tragedy. Uh, and, and I just want to say that like this is unacceptable. And I I don't know if you're able or, or want to comment on it, but it's just like incredibly gross that this has happened and that there's essentially been a media blackout ever since it happened. Like even ACERT, which in almost every other case releases a photo of the uh, firearm or the imitation firearm in this case has chosen not to release an imitation, the picture of the imitation firearm, which is like, what the hell is going on? So, okay. It's it's interesting too. Like in the United States, they, they've released the names of the victims as soon as the next of kin are notified. Like you'll, you'll hear, you know, in you know, five or six hours later, what, who the names are, but we don't have the victims. We don't have, we don't have the names. We don't have any information. And that could have been you or me, Duncan. Like it was, uh, um, you look at the photo that you can link to, uh, the person was, was shot and there was an apartment directly behind them. Like, where did you think the bullets were going to go? Yeah, it is. You know, we've seen if you've seen the picture of the like bullet hole in the window, if you've seen the picture of the cops, three cops lined up next to each other with a guy on the ground, you know, about you know, 10 meters away from him or like five meters away from him, it's it's wild. But your issue is important as well. And we came here to discuss that. And we can't even really discuss that one because there just isn't any information. Yeah. But earlier this week, you held a press conference where you talked about the findings from the integrity commissioner and how every single complaint against you was dismissed. Why was this complaint so potentially harmful to like democracy and like, you know, just the business of city government and holding police accountable here in Edmonton? Yeah, that's exactly it. Politicians need to be, especially politicians who are, you know, uh, responsible for the resourcing and the, the, uh, um, the responsibility for safety in a, in a, in a community, um, they need to be able to ask tough questions about the police. They need to ask about police budgets. They need to ask about police conduct. And when they feel that they cannot do so without the threat of uh, discipline or sanction or punishment, um, that puts a chill on democracy. And that means some things are off limits. And I felt it where you say, oh, can I ask this? Or can I tweet this? Or can I even share this news article or will I be facing a code of conduct complaint? So it's uh, it's incredibly serious and interesting. I've received direct messages from other city councillors and elected officials across Canada who have expressed solidarity with me saying, you know, we too have felt this chill. We too have wondered, you know, can we criticize the police or else will we, will we face punishment? And I think it's important for all of us to kind of stand up to the bullying and say, no, um, this is democracy. We, we are we are allowed and we are encouraged to make sure that uh, we can be a critical friend to all institutions, especially the police. Sometimes that um, 
you know, they may not like being held accountable. They may not like criticism, but um, it's, it, it is, as you just highlighted, it is in some cases life or death. Yeah, and we're going to get into the specific complaints later on, but it 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 is uh, it is worth pointing out, I think, just generally speaking, that your complaints were either uh, pretty mild, or like generally just like fair minded criticism that would fall within the purview of any citizen, let alone a city councilor. Uh, but but like as a city councilor, you obviously have a, a, a responsibility to hold these these institutions accountable. You fund the. Edmonton Police Service. It's $385 million this year. It's the single largest line item in the Edmonton Police budget. And to like to think that you can't like retweet or quote tweet or even just say like uh, what's going on with the Edmonton Police budget, <laughs> like like basic accountability stuff, like it's it's wild. But I think the complaint is also worth highlighting. And it, it just to kind of understand the frame of mind, uh of Staff Sergeant Michael Elliott, the president of the Edmonton Police Association, and like the language that was used. Uh, and I, I just want to take a, a minute here to kind of read some sections from the complaint. So if you'll indulge me, Michael, I, I'm going to get to it here. In December 2021, I learned that Councillor Jans had made, retweeted, and or liked a series of social media posts about the Edmonton Police Service and its members, as well as police officers generally. The social media posts contain statements, language, and commentary that is completely inappropriate for a city of Edmonton councillor. Many of the posts show a serious lack of understanding of issues around and involving the Edmonton Police Service and its members. Further, the posts are not impartial and do not fairly consider all relevant facts, opinions, and perspective perspectives as required by the code. The posts are often offensive and very disrespectful of and to city employees, the Edmonton Police Service members, and some of the posts are misleading in respect of the Edmonton Police Service and its members. Again, it's worth pointing out that uh, every single one of these uh, allegations was dismissed by the Integrity Commissioner, and uh, and like when we get into the specifics, it, it is wild that like the the tweets, like the examples he uses, are do not represent close to what he's saying in the complaint here. I'll get back to it. Councillor Jans is not a private citizen who is simply sharing his views on social media. He is now an elected official of the city of Edmonton, and he is required to follow the council code of conduct with an appropriate level of decorum, respect, and professionalism. The code of conduct requires that Councillor Jans is accurate in his comments, that he obtains all the relevant facts before commenting, that he conducts himself in a fair, unbiased, and respectful manner, both generally as a councillor, but also specifically in respect of his communications about city employees, including members of the Edmonton Police Service, and that he conducts himself in a way that is respectful of and that benefits the people of Edmonton as a whole, including the thousands of Edmonton Police Service employees and their families who live and work in the city of Edmonton. Um, just a sidebar here. I'm also I, I've always been very curious about how many uh, Edmonton Police Service officers like live in like Sherwood Park or St. Albert, but that's that's neither here nor there. That's a that's a tangent. Um, unfortunately, Councillor Jans has repeatedly violated his obligations under the Council Code of Conduct Council Code of Conduct through his recent social media posts by. A, implying that the Edmonton Police Commission was and is negligent in its duties and that there is no oversight over the Edmonton Police Service budget and its expenditures. Retweeting a post that called the chief of police a, quote, bureaucrat, accused the chief of, quote, fear-mongering, and called the chief's comments about potential potential budget cuts, quote, predictable and, quote, disgusting. Attacking the media for its coverage of a debate and a council decision regarding the Edmonton Police Service budget. Publicly liking, this is the big one, publicly liking social media posts from known critics, known critics of the Edmonton Police Service who are known for misrepresenting facts about the Edmonton Police Service and its members. 
retweeting social media mo- social media posts from other municipal- municipalities, Lethbridge and Calgary, that accuse police officers of, quote, malevolence and, quote, political bias, and implied that police officers in general are not held accountable for their actions. Uh, posting his own tweets that falsely state or imply that police officers in Edmonton are not held accountable for their actions. Accusing members of the Edmonton Police Service of egregious police brutality based on unproven and disputed allegations in a civil lawsuit. And finally, implying that members of the Edmonton Police Service may somehow be associated with the Proud Boys because of an event in the city of Calgary in 2020. Yeah, it's a lot. <sighs> there you it's go. It's a folks. lot. <laughs> this, this, is, this, is, this is what was so important. These tweets uh, of yours, Michael Jens, were so important that the president of the police association felt obligated that he had to write this letter and file this complaint with the integrity commissioner. But let's also contextualize this for the (sighs) listeners. And this complaint was filed January 10th in December. Our, our council for the first time ever uh, did not give the police the blank check, the 12, the $11 million that they had requested. We gave them $1 million, not the 11 million. It was the first time that I think council has really rejected a, a, uh, um, a major increase to the police budget. Um, prior to that, Michael Elliott and I have some history where I was a school trustee who, alongside Bridget Sterling, Sheila Dunn, and others, uh, voted to remove the uh, the school resource officer program um, from our schools. So the police have, um, how shall I say, um, they've taken umbrage with um, uh, a number of my actions. And I feel like when I received this complaint, um, I felt this was an attempt to try and settle a score and to try and shut me up and uh, put me in the penalty box early, uh, especially when I heard that it had been given to media. That, to me, signaled that this wasn't done in a good faith manner. This was this was um, what I felt was an attempt to silence me and an attempt to discredit me and to make me look like I'm a, a wild Antifa anti-police city councillor, which certainly I'm not. And, and I would challenge, I've, I've worked with or called the police probably more than most of your listeners, um, uh, based on my life experience. So it, uh, you know, it, it just felt, it just really felt like a smear campaign to me as somebody who works in politics. When, when you hear about something from a reporter, um, not from, not from the integrity commissioner, that to me throws good faith right out the window. Yeah. And, and, and the, the next part here, that the part that follows logically from reading out that complaint is going through the actual kind of like tweets in question that Michael Elliott attached to his complaint. And we're not going to go through every single one. We're going to kind of convent, condense it into a top five. Uh, but but if you do want to check this out, like we do have a Twitter thread on the Progress Alberta Twitter account where we detail every single one. And if and we will also link to the uh, Integrity Commissioner's decision, which also goes through every single one and, and has it uh, on the screen and then kind of the decision, you know, the allegation dismissed and why they dismissed it. But uh, again, it's not like you're saying like ACAB or fuck the police uh, on Twitter here. Uh, we're going to go through the complaints. Like these are serious, uh, like either just like things that a, a city councilor should be concerned about as a city councilor or just like, again, very fair and or mild criticism of the police. Uh, and, you're, and they're a public institution that receives, again, $385 million from the city of Edmonton this year. You are not above criticism. Okay, so we'll let's go through the top five. There's of the twenty four allegations, there are six separate ones that Michael Elliott includes that all concern the thin blue line flag. And until recently, the Edmonton Police Association was had flown the thin blue line flag uh, outside of its headquarters. Uh, it became known that they were flying the thin blue line flag outside their headquarters on the anniversary of George Floyd's death. 
and this had been widely covered in the media. And you, as a city councilor, had repeatedly noticed this and taken pictures of this flag and tweeted about it and informed people about this flag. In fact, one of your tweets that was that was attached uh, as a complaint was like you quote tweeting uh, a progress report story about how Edmonton police service officers are not allowed to wear thin blue line patches on their uniform. That is like, and it's not just in Edmonton, it's across Canada. The thin blue line has been widely banned by police brass for exactly this reason. It's like the Punisher symbol. It's a, it's, it's whatever it used to mean. Doesn't matter. It's been co-opted by uh, many forces to represent an us versus them division. I first learned about the thin blue line flag following the death of uh, the murder of George Floyd when uh, police were, flying the flag is kind of a uh, hashtag blue lives matter as kind of a rebuke to uh, calls for accountability and racial justice. And that's, that's certainly when I saw it, it uh, present in Edmonton. I, uh, it's interesting though, Duncan, the last time I saw the flag flying, it's uh, it's over by my kid's daycare. So I drive by it all the time. And uh, um, the last time I saw it flying and I got a photo was February 6th, but since then it has come down. So I'm not sure whether they took it down as a concession following the result of this code of conduct complaint or something else. But I am aware Mayor Sohi, our first non-Caucasian mayor, uh, to my knowledge, came to ask them in November to take the flag down and uh, they refused. And I believe... Uh, um, it's interesting that now it's been changed out. I mean, if it wasn't a problem then, why is it a problem now? But I think you and I both know, like, the Confederate flag does not represent state rights. State rights, it represents something else. And uh, and I think I think we uh, we all know what what the what the the thin blue line flag has implied, and that's why it's been banned, and that's why it was just so um, infuriating to to many members of the BIPOC community who have expressed concern that now more than ever we need to come together in unity around policing and safety and, and for the police union to basically be flying this flag, it, it, you know, it felt like it, yeah, it, it felt like a, a, uh, um, just a, a, a very clear line where they wanted to, where they wanted to draw it. One of the, uh, ways that I, if, if I'm forced to describe or explain the, the thin blue line flag to someone who might not be familiar with it, like my one sentence description is like, oh, it's like essentially like an anti black lives matter flag. Um, and, and at the progress report, we have done a lot of reporting on the thin blue line flag. And one of the things that came up in Elliot's complaint is that you were, uh, I think it's the last allegation is that you were implying that the Edmonton police were connected to the proud boys because of an incident in Calgary in 2020. And, and the incident they're talking about is one that we have reported on probably most extensively out of any media outlet in Alberta. And that was a Black Lives Rally Matter, uh, Black Lives Matter rally that was held in Calgary in August of 2020. Uh, a bunch of like Proud Boy losers like showed up and counter protested that rally. And they had a thin blue line flag with them. And they were pictures were taken of them with the thin blue line flag. And there's also a very famous picture of these Proud Boys with their thin blue line flag behind a line of Calgary police officers. And that image, I think, really uh, is a snapshot of what the thin blue line flag uh, means. And this is obviously, of course, before uh, the Proud Boys were designated a terrorist organization. Uh, but still, it, it looks well, really bad. Let's, let's clarify here, too. Like, who is flying the flag? It's not the Edmonton Police Service. It's the Edmonton Police Association. But who is the Edmonton Police Association? Well, it's the union or the association representing all of the police. So if they are electing leadership, that are choosing to fly that sort of flag and send some, that sort of symbol and that sort of message. Um, I've heard from, you know, neighbors who are, who uh, BIPOC neighbors who have said, uh, I don't feel comfortable calling the police because I don't know if I'm going to get one of the police to show up that are um, more on the side of the thin blue line than more on the side of me. 
and and we cannot have that division it's a it's a threat to community we need we need unity and we need we need police to remember that they're part of community and that they're just as embedded in these these neighborhoods and outcomes as we are yeah the uh the other the the top the second one i'm going to bring up and one that was extremely concerning to a lot of people online was uh the known critics uh part there was three separate tweets that were a part of this allegation where you were apparently you know, retweeting disinformation Skya about the police, uh, Michael. Um, but again, it's incredibly concerning that the president of the Edmonton Police Association is like deciding who is and isn't a known critic and who is and isn't allegedly spreading or misrepresenting facts about the Edmonton Police Service. Uh, the tweets in question that reference these known critics were you essentially quote tweeting or retweeting uh, Bashir Mohammed, who is well known. Um, activist for black rights here in Edmonton and who's been on the podcast many times, as well as Tom Engel, who is a criminal lawyer and a long time like person who has done a lot of activism, not activism, a lot of like work and legal legal work with regards to police accountability. And when you saw that line about known critics, do you, did you think it would like, that's really what people glommed on to, I think, when this story came out. Did you know that it would blow it up? It felt like completely that? Stalinist. I felt like it was Senator McCarthy all know it now all you know, all over again. And I, you know, am I gonna have to, you know, go through my go through my phone and 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 uh, I'm not allowed to talk to the following people if I'm a city councilor. I'm not allowed to show up at the following Christmas parties. I'm not allowed to like it it just it just felt chilling and and absolutely uh uh it was, I don't even have words, Duncan. Like I, it was, um, uh, it was absolutely just wild. It was, it was, uh, it was straight out of the 1950s. Like, and, and that's the sort of mentality that known critics are somehow, I can't, I can't associate with them and somehow known critics are invalid and should be canceled. Like it just felt like all of the worst tropes about conservative cancel culture, uh, brought up in, uh, you know, uh, people who are asking reasonable questions about police reform, accountability, et cetera. Like I've never heard that in, like it, it felt almost like a um, Kenny where, you know, enemies of Alberta oil industry or something like that. Like it, it, it was just, it was just crazy. I mean, um, am I not allowed to talk to, to defense attorneys? Am I not allowed to talk to citizens who have problems with the police? Am I like, and what constitutes a known critic? Like somebody who just asks a reasonable question about, uh, you know, a, 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 police use of force or something like it's it's uh, am i only allowed to just give unfettered praise and um am i do i have to you know just just only associate with the kiwanis top cops or something <laughs> well i think i think uh salute and shut up michael is is what you need to be doing here with regards to associated with known critics or just even highlighting them on twitter.com again an absolutely wild decision to put that those two words together in this complaint that became public. Well, and who are the known critics? Like, will you share a list of them? Are, are there a group of them? Are there a, a, a school or a, like, like it's, it's, it's just a, yeah. Do you have an enemies well, list? Then, like how much, well, who else is on it? Okay. So I can't, I can't talk to Duncan. I can't talk to Tom. I can't talk to Bashir. I can't talk to like who, who, Oh, Mac, Mac mail. Mac mail. He's a journalist though. Surely that would be okay. Like, you know, it's just like how, can I talk to Can I talk to Jen Reimer? Uh, can I talk to like you know like it just how far down the list does this go? Well, this one was wild, but the the next one I I struggle to understand why this was included in the complaint. Three separate you you retweeted Shannon Phillips three separate times. All of and all of those times she's talking about 
her experiences with the Lethbridge Police Service, which to reiterate, she was like illegally surveilled and people she was meeting with were harassed. Her information has been illegally accessed by by police and police employees for non-police reasons. Uh, like she has faced an incredible amount of abuse and harassment from the LPS, the Lethbridge Police Service. And like there has been next to no accountability for what has happened. Casey Man- Madu called like he he called in an inquiry there. Like even the UCP recognized that this is like beyond the pale and that accountability must be done. And that's what I'd say to the conservative politicians listening here too. Like it's not because, you know, I'm a lefty and Shannon's a lefty. Like this could be you next, buddy. Like like all of us, like any elected official anywhere, if we cannot ask questions. Um, without threat of sanction by the police, or or worse, like Shannon, and we don't get to Lethbridge overnight. I made that point earlier. Like, if the police think they first they can get away with a code of conduct, what's next? Like, starting to run your data, starting to you know follow you home from the bar circa overtime incident. Like, this is this is wild. And police unions have um in Toronto they hired private investigators. In the U.S., there's been all kinds of examples where police unions have acted like they're, they're private, like they're private detectives and gone after their enemies that they've been clear they have enemies and uh, they've been out to, to destroy them politically or personally. And uh, um, you, you got to nip this in the bud. And the first time you get a whiff of any of anything that feels like, like bullying, you got to throw it out there and make sure the public's aware of it. And like, literally you were just retweeting Shannon Phillips talking about her own experience. Like, like, didn't we, didn't we have Gail McPhee, you know, just in this past month or the past two months, you know, retweeting some like wild ass Michael Schellenberg, like propaganda about people who use drugs. And he's like, oh yeah, I was just tweeting that out for information well, or whatever. Yeah. Like, some attacks yeah. on progressives too. And he's like, well, I was just sharing, uh, people need to be aware of this. I, yeah, it, you're just retweeting Shannon Phillips and just, and just as a tangent about Michael Schellenberger, uh, I did have an episode lined up with Adam Johnson of citations needed to talk about Michael Schellenberger. Unfortunately, I got COVID oh, no. and I haven't been able to reschedule since. Uh, but I do think, uh, I mean, I think the, the UCP is bringing him in to, to speak about uh, safe supply bizarrely. And uh, I, I still do want to do that. So if, if that is something you would be interested in, let me know. I might, uh, I'll try and track down. Adam Johnson again. Yeah, I think that's very needed because I know a lot of uh, senior people in in uh, Edmonton and in the government are reading the Michael Schellenberg book, and uh, uh, I'm worried they're they're uh, taking it taking it uh, <laughs> uh, maybe too seriously. Yeah, uh, the other kind of like category that I think is worth highlighting out in in the complaints that were submitted by Staff Sergeant Michael Elliott is essentially you just like retweeting or quote tweeting uh, journalists who were writing about police. Uh, the journalists here were uh, Mac Mail, uh, Kevin Myman, uh, Jenny Russell, like integ- investigative reporter, kind of extraordinaire, uh, Kevin Myman, and even the Progress Report. You're just like quote tweeting us or retweeting us, and like there was like five or six separate times, maybe even seven times where it's like Michael Elliott submitted these as like you just talking about matters of these. This is, this is just you talking about matters of public interest that are like about the police. And he's like, yeah, actually he, he can't do this. This violates his code of conduct. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Cause like when I was first elected, um, I think in the first week or so I got, uh, it was the, the news story broke about the lawsuit regarding, uh, Pacey Dumas and constable bed Todd who kicked a hole in, uh, uh, Pacey Dumas's head and they're suing and um, this this 
this story, I mean, I got so many emails come from constituents demanding that I that I hold the police accountable, that this 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 must take place. So I wrote a blog post, which you can see at michaeljanis.ca slash police accountability, where I basically said, you know, if you want to hold the police accountable, you um, as a citizen can go to the police commission, you can write the police commission, like the council appoints police commissioners, but we do not direct policing. Um, we have kind of a high level supervisory outcomes kind of based role. Um, and uh, uh, we, we are not responsible for the day-to-day -day and the, the direction and the oversight, et cetera. So we, uh, like I, I basically said, if you want to, if, you, if you're mad about this, like take it to the commission, take it to the people responsible. And I know that um, that rubbed uh, many the wrong way, but, but it's just highlighting process. It's saying, you know, like I think there's been in the past more of a culture of a, a uh, something goes wrong, there's a phone call made between leadership and there's a tut-tut and then business as usual continues. And uh, you can see that by a number of um, a number of the cases that you know we just don't have answers to right now. It's been years since something happened, and ACERT's investigating, and and it, this is just completely unacceptable. Um, we've already seen within a year of the murder of George Floyd um, a trial and a verdict, uh, but yet here in Edmonton we still don't know who shot Stephen Wynn or why that happened. We don't know what happens with the Pacey Dumas case. We don't know what happens with the shooting last last week. There's so many cases here where. It's not just on Edmonton police, it's on ACERT, the provincial body, it's on it's on all of us to demand that we all want to live in a safe community, we all want a, an accountable police service that we can all be proud of. And uh, it's infuriating. So uh, yeah, I would encourage your listeners to, you know, get angry, get allies, get active and, and get in touch with elected officials who, who can keep pushing for the accountability that we, 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 we are long overdue for. Exactly. And the, the final allegation that I want to highlight is is the one that, according to the Integrity Commissioner, came closest to violating the code. Which, again, let's clarify, does not violate the code. <laughs> yeah, it, did, it came, came close, but still, this, this, uh, this complaint was dismissed. So um, essentially, I'll just, I'll just read what, what you said. Yesterday, the chief told Edmonton Media, quote, you should be prepared for how this is going to impact how police officers respond to a call going for help that you might need at one point. This is with respect to the Edmonton City Council $1 million police funding increase. Is, is fear-mongering appropriate for a bureaucrat? Isn't this why we have a police commission to depoliticize the service and provide evidence-based decision-making? This is disappointing at best. Happy to share the audio recording. So the issue... <laughs> that was taken was uh this this is the integrity commissioner here this is uh so one this the edmonton police chief is not a city of edmonton employee he's like a, he's in this weird nether world but he, quote this is from the integrity commissioner quote it is debatable that calling someone a bureaucrat is disrespectful conduct lacking in decorum this is commentary on a matter of public interest relating to policing including funding and efficiencies so i don't know i i, I don't think calling Chief McPhee, a bureaucrat, is like is is somehow violates this this code of conduct. You have to be, you have to be in some weird like like conservative circles for for uh, um like like the word bureaucrat or public servant to be a swear word. You know what I mean? Like like that's a very Chief, very Chief anti government McPhee. anti government lingo. Like Chief McPhee is a high level bureaucrat. Before he was the chief of police for the city of Edmonton, he was like. He was the, a deputy minister in Saskatchewan, wasn't he? Like, like, yeah, like the highest level of bureaucrat you can get to. Well, careful, Duncan. The bureaucrat's a dirty word now. <laughs> Civil servant. Yeah, uh, like, I don't know. Um, 
But but this is the, so this let's go back to the substance of the complaint or the the substance of the tweet here. The day after mm-hmm. we we passed a budget, still giving the police one million dollars more than last year. No cut, one million dollars more. The chief went on media and did a tour saying, you know, uh, you need to think about how this is going to affect you if you call the police. And during the budget deliberations, he 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 said like, well, if you don't give us the ask. You're going to see reductions in in traffic in traffic safety. We'll have to do photo radar, duh, duh, duh. or like we'll have to take resources away from the LRT. Like like it 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 just was. It really felt it felt to me like like extortion. It felt to me like you do you like like you give us what we want or else dot dot dot. And for the media to to allow the chief to go on and and to to share those sorts of stories and and to see that kind of sustained. Um, pressure is is not acceptable like can you imagine if if the ucp cut the um cut the the the, the health budget and then you had verna you at ahs saying children are gonna die you know like no you you do the best you can with what you have and you leave the politics up to the politicians or the commission like in i don't see why the the chief would ever be talking to the media to be honest um th- when i was at the school board the superintendent was you know only supposed to talk to the media on very narrow operational matters, anything related to politics, advocacy, government, budgets, etc. always went to the trustees and the board chair. So I think we've got a situation here where even at city council, when there's a presentation from the police about the budget, the commission is there, but it's very much the chief leading, leading the show. And that to me is, again, like the, the, the chief and the service should be asking and presenting a budget to the commission. And then the commission needs to be holding that budget accountable, asking the tough questions, doing the scrutiny, and then bringing it forward to, to city council. So when you have the chief on the radio telling people that their communities are, are uh, you know, giving that very personal, you need to think about what will happen when you call the police, to me is, is absolutely beyond the pale and he should be held accountable by the commission for, for, for those, those messages. That is a very fair point. Uh, okay, so this has been dismissed. Uh, you know, you're you're vindicated. You're, this doesn't isn't looming over your head any longer. Uh, what what's next? How well, how are you going to hold the police accountable? And from your position as an Edmonton City Councilor, well, people need to remember that like the Edmonton Police are the largest line item in the City Council budget. It's almost a quarter of your tax bill. So when you're paying your taxes this year, you 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 think about it. Take a quarter of it. That's going towards the police. So naturally, city councillors must demonstrate fiscal and uh, and uh, political scrutiny over these expenditures. We all want a community where we can feel safe. We all want a police service that we can be proud of. It's just asking the questions to help us get there. I think we've been running an outdated sort of software system that's been very siloed in safe in in the public safety realm over over the last century. And I think we need to now talk about updates and. Uh, um, in three three main areas. So for me, my, my focus for the police are number one, cost, making sure that we have a sustainable cost, making sure expenditures are scrutinized, making sure whether it's, you know, the, the number of guns or cars or airplanes that we're asking the tough questions about that. Number two, it's conduct. It's making sure that that um, uh, justice is t- transparent and accountable and swift when it, so we can all be, we can all feel comfortable in the, 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 uh, the service we're receiving. Uh, and third, it's around this whole question of detasking, where Halifax and others have started this conversation about what are the, you know, how do we make sure that our highly trained, highly resourced police officers are doing the right job at the right time in the right place? That means taking police out of some of these these more banal matters around, say, traffic or paperwork or fender benders and putting them into actual violent crime and, and rapid response that 
if there's a function that could be done more effectively by civilians, whether it's uh, in the uh, the dispatch or whether it's in um, animal welfare, or whether it's in social work domains that should be done by social workers, I think we're all talking about getting to this idea of, of, of detasking, making sure that, you know, uh, we have the police doing doing the right thing. It's important. I think you you flagged it for in in your news that in Canada, Edmontonians pay the second highest amount for for police next to Windsor, Ontario per capita. So we are paying more than any other city. We're paying more than Vancouver. We're paying more than others. And you know that that at some point is uh, you know we need to scrutinize that. Uh, you also flagged that there are our unit costs for officers are higher. So you know I'm I'm all for well compensated uh, workers, but let's make sure that. Um, let's make sure they're doing the right things that, that we need them to be doing. And then there's many other questions here around conduct from, um, I think, uh, Professor Oriola has, has, has written about and spoke about, about the need to, uh, look at entrance standards and training and all these other pieces. And, and those must be incorporated, but there's, there's things that we as a city council need to do. There's things that the provincial government and the solicitor general need to do through the police act. Um, but ultimately it's, it's public pressure. It's sustained public pressure that will drive change that it's it's your listeners of this podcast um flipping open their phones signing up getting involved um uh it's 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 marshalling public pressure to help drive the change in the outcomes we want because bureaucracy doesn't change overnight and uh um it needs it needs constant and rigorous oversight from everyone not just city councillors to help help uh help move things forward Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember to talk to your friends about about this issue as well, not just elected officials. You brought it up, so I I, I, I have to talk about it. This the secret plane, the now not secret plane. Um, you know, some uh, information has come to light, but uh, not nearly enough. I would argue we we now know that the city of Edmonton or Edmonton Police Service has a plane. Uh, we know that they're getting another plane. We know that they're going to spend four point three million dollars in that plane, and that it is arriving sometime this year. What we still don't know is uh, very numerous. We still don't know the business case. We still don't know why it costs so much. Four point three million dollars is a lot of money. Uh, we even we don't even know what kind of plane it is. We don't because it's been such a black box. We don't know if there's more costs related to the plane uh, with regards to surveillance equipment. Does that four point three million dollars only cover the plane? Does it cover plane plus surveillance equipment? We don't know. Um, so there is just. A lot we still don't know about the secret plane. And again, it speaks to this kind of culture of secrecy at the Edmonton police. This was, uh, they didn't tell anyone about it. Uh, like there was a, there was a, a CBC report by Janice Johnson. They talked to a city councilor who was on city council in 1993. Uh, what was Alan and Alan said, Alan said, there's no way this would have been passed. We were laying off staff. We were in the Klein cuts. There's no way that this plane would have been approved. So I can't, I can't speak to that. To me, like coming from a background in, in, you know, in, in governance, I was a school trustee for 11 years. You, you can't have secret capital purchases. Like they, they, they have to appear somewhere in your audit or something else. So when I learned about the plane, like it was absolutely, like I never even for a moment thought it would be secret. Like undercover officers are secret. Planes are not secret. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you can't have a plane. It has a hanger. It has, it has a call sign. It like, it's a plane. Well, and and, it's up in the air. People can see it. Well, and it's interesting too, because airplanes don't are not like like an an airplane that's you know from the 90s may seem old to you or me but it it's not if you talk to fl- pilots and 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 airplane aficionados like airplanes are incredibly resilient so the idea like i've had people write me saying that's not an old plane i have a plane of that vintage and it's just fine um 
So there's questions there about procurement. There's questions about just in general, as you said, why we have the plane, but then that's just the, the capital costs. It appears to be, you know, what we, we have no transparency on, on, we have no yeah transparency on operating. It's again, all secret, uh, you know, and, and was secret until recently. So, well, and I had another constituent call me and say, did you know Edmonton police has a flying club? And, and they used to help officers get their, their licenses. Uh, there's the Edmonton police flying club. And I mean, that took place in the eighties. I have no idea if it's connected to the airplane. I'd like to say that it's not. Um, but I can't, I don't know. Right. Like it's, it's, uh, this is, this is part of the problem. And so, um, yeah, it's, I imagine it'll come up at, at budget this year. And, and I imagine at some point the, the police will, will have to, uh, um, We'll have to account for this and all of the other expenditures. I mean, the plane is a sexy one, but remember all these little one, all these little expenditures add up. They spent $8 million on cars last year, $8 million on cars the year before, $7 million on cars the year before that. Like, um, how much do they spend on computers, on guns, on machine guns, on bullets, on service weapons? Like, there's all these different questions that I think after this whole, we just went through a month of occupation through this trucker protest in Ottawa and, and the police across Canada are facing a big, uh, you know, a big pause from the public and saying, okay, we, we need to, we need to have a, a serious conversation about, you know, for years we've been told you have to approve these expenditures in case, in case, you know, uh, you get occupied and, and here we are. Um, yeah. Yeah. We we've brought up this up a few times in the course of our conversation, and that is that is the Edmonton Police Commission. Uh, it's worth kind of just laying out what exactly it is and what the division of labor is. So, council is not responsible for holding the police accountable. Uh, ostensibly, the body that does that is the Edmonton Police Commission. Um, however, uh, the chair of the Edmonton Police Commission, John McDo- John McDougall, uh, recently wrote an op-ed in the Edmonton Journal where he uncritically supported the police and their uh, do-nothing approach to the convoy that was rolling through Edmonton regularly. I guess they're still rolling through Edmonton. They're just kind of Dwindling. much diminished. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I raised concerns about this op-ed at the Edmonton Police Commission meeting. I thought it was a code of conduct violation. I still have not got any response to my questions about this op-ed. Well, and to your point, he published the op-ed the day before the police commission. So it was like the judge issued a verdict before the trial had even taken place, before they'd even heard from the impacted community or anyone else. There was, I, I woke up to see this op-ed basically saying, nothing to see here, move along. Yeah, and then the next day, like eight or nine people showed up at police commission and be like, are you going to fucking do anything about the convoy? Like, this is untenable. Uh and and Temitopi Oriola, who is a criminology professor at the U of A, wrote an op-ed in response. I think it's a final line is worth quoting here. Quote, the Edmonton Police Commission needs to assert its autonomy, particularly during law enforcement crises, such as the current political turbulence. I am waiting for confirmation that the op-ed was an oversight. Pun, unintended. Uh, Lol. Pun intended. Oh, I hate puns. But yes, uh, I, I, to this, there has been no uh, further statements from the Edmonton Police Commission about the op-ed. Um, also worth pointing out that, that John McDougall, who's the newly elected uh, chair of the Edmonton police commission, uh, he, uh, he's locked his Twitter account now, uh, which is very funny, but on his Twitter account, his like banner picture is, does have him next to staff sergeant Michael Elliott of the Edmonton police I, association I think that's on Mike Elliott's Twitter, not or is it on? Oh, it's on Mike Elliott's Twitter, where he his his profile picture, his banner picture is has John McDougal in it, which is very funny. Uh, John McDougal though does have a history. Again, this is locked. You can't you can't go and check this right now, but I have seen it with my own eyes. John McDougal has like liked and interacted with Michael Elliott's tweets 
on Twitter. It's like it's like relatively minor, but it, it speaks to why McDougal would write that op-ed. Um, you know, it, it's it's uh it's it's interesting, is all I'm saying. I think that's all we have time for today, Michael. I want to thank you for coming on the pod and and sharing your story with us. Again, I think this is a very important issue. Uh, you know, talk to your friends about like the police in general, police accountability, but also this story where this complaint was lodged. It's absolutely wild. Uh, how can people follow along with your police accountability work as a city councilor, Michael? Yeah, please visit michaeljans.ca uh, slash safer for all. That's uh, um, I'm, you know, I will be sharing more information as we go forward, talking about the police funding formula, talking about uh, the police budget, talking about uh, um, police commissioners and opportunities to become a com- police commissioner. And uh, yeah, I'll be sharing various various writing and news as it as it happens. Yeah, go do that. Also, if you like this podcast and you want to join the 500 or so other folks who help keep this independent media project going, an independent media project that does police accountability work that no other one, no one else is doing, uh, you can go to theprogressreport.ca slash patrons, put in your credit card, contribute $5, 10 $15 a month, whatever you can contribute. It's how we survive. We really appreciate it. A link to that will also be attached to this podcast, uh, both on the page and like in the little thing that comes on your phone. Also, if you have any notes, thoughts, comments, things you think we need to hear, I am very easy to reach. I am on Twitter at at Duncan Kinney, and you can reach me by email at K at progressalberta.ca. Thank you to Jim Story for editing the podcast. Thank you to Cosmic Famu Communist for our theme. Thank you to Michael Jans for being an incredible guest. Thank you for listening, and goodbye. What have I done? What have I done?